Hi, my name is William Wiranto. I'm an economist at OCBC Bank. Welcome to OCBC Insights. Now, as you step into year end, it's worthwhile to think about 2021. In fact, I'm here to talk about tail risk. Basically, events that have low probability to happen, but when they do happen, if they do happen, have tremendous implications on global markets. Obviously, 2020 has been a year that is uh, very much affected by pandemic, very much affected by coronavirus scourge. So we, f we have that uh, mind frame when we, when we step into 2021. Uh, I think theories would nonetheless be very much uh, you know, related to um, coronavirus, specifically related to the vaccine development. Already, we have three vaccines that are proven to work, uh, one from Pfizer-BioNTech, another one from Moderna, and the last one about from AstraZeneca. So in terms of theories here, we're really talking about you know, uh, what happens next beyond the discovery of these vaccines. Now, the positive end, we basically think about this scenario where the vaccine availability is so widespread and so readily uh, rolled out in many countries that we probably see vaccination happening uh, quite tremendously uh, throughout 2021, maybe perhaps uh, starting from uh, mid-2021 for developing countries. Now, if we were to have this kind of positive surprise on the timing and scope of the vaccine, uh, I think it would pretty much depend on some of these um, other vaccines that are still on in phase three trials. And I think specifically um, uh, those developing, developed by China's medical research institutions are probably the more likely candidates. Sinovac, for instance, has been conducting trials in Brazil, Bangladesh, and Indonesia. Indeed, according to regulators in Indonesia, the results of the Sinovac trials are due in January 2021. So if this vaccine is proven to be uh, quite effective, it will allow for a relatively rapid rollout, including Indonesia, whose government has pre-ordered a total of 85 million doses to be delivered throughout next year. Now, for a country that has been so besieged by relentless infections uptake, like Indonesia, if the vaccine is proven to be effective and safe, its rollout could quite literally be a booster shot to confidence. Outside of Sinovac, some other key vaccines include those from Sinopharm and CanSino. Uh, these companies have been busy conducting phase 3 trials as well, with whom Indonesia again has struck pre-order agreements too. Uh, apart from these names, uh, obviously we have also a lot of other candidates, including one by US-based Novavax, uh, which has launched its phase three trial in the UK in September. Overall, when it comes to vaccine successes, the more will obviously be the merrier because the daunting task in vaccinating billions and billions of human populations against a new but very real threat. Not only would the successful trials allow us um, to basically have a re demand recovery, but we also have uh, essentially, uh, you know, gonna have a boost in terms of confidence and, and in terms of resumption of some of this growth, um, growth trajectory that we have hope, been hoping for for a while. Already among the trio of successful vaccine candidates, the deep freeze tech requirement for Pfizer-BioNTech ruled out its deployment for most developing countries due to infrastructure shortfall. Uh, we have AstraZeneca's one uh, requiring only a simple infrastructure or re refrigerator temperature but its lower efficacy and trial concerns present some issues. So what is needed now for these positive theories to happen is really for a lot more vaccines to be effective and also safe in terms of uh, easy in terms of rolling out. So you need this sweet spot, basically a vaccine that works, uh, that's effective, but also demands very little in terms of storage needs. So finding that sweet spot vaccine uh, could thus be the, basically the positive theories in 2021. Now, on the flip side, 
If such a vaccine cannot be found readily, we might well inch towards a negative tail scenario. So if trials and trials of the remaining phase 3 vaccines show very low efficacy rate, or indeed show um, that they cause some harmful side effects, then the world runs a risk of splitting into half versus half nots of vaccines. This might have tremendous economic and market implications. Here, imagine a situation where developed countries are able to roll out rapid vaccinations of their populations using shots from Moderna and Pfizer, for instance, because they have not only secured the supplies, but also possess the supporting infrastructure to distribute them across their countries. Economic activities can thus resume quite well there, resulting in considerable uptake in consumer business confidence. That is a boom scenario. Now, couple that by imagining the flip side situation for much of developing nations. On one hand, they are left out of the cold of the supplies of vaccines that work. On the other hand, those vaccines that they thought they already pre-ordered, if at all, turn out to be flops. They're ineffective at best, harmful at worst. While the export activities might receive some help from selling to the newly voracious consumers of the rich world, the domestic portions of their economies remain bedeviled by the coronavirus scourge. Their growth prospects would thus remain in relative doldrums, even as they watch their developed counterparts rebound very sharply. So this dichotomy uh, in economic growth also can come at a time when global policy setting starts to shift away from the ultra-commoditive end of the spectrum in 2020. As the economies of the developed world recover sharply, the need for overt policy support will become less and less apparent. On top of that, the need to counter inflationary pressure could become more and more palpable. So the net effect will be a dialback of this expected support from both monetary and policy, uh, fiscal policy fronts. So if you look at it from the perspective of emerging markets, any talk of reduced appetite for monetary policy among the, the major central banks, especially the Fed, would be especially concerning. This is not to say that deployment of the vaccine will automatically result in the Fed hurrying to raise rates, but if you look at the experience of 2013 taper tantrum, when the then Fed Chair Ben Bernanke merely suggested the reduction in the pace of asset purchases, uh, causing market uh, ructions, if that episode is any guide, it may not take much of a shift in policy stance for market to react quite considerably. Now, if this comes at a time when inflows um, into emerging markets has been on a sharp uptick like we've seen, so any reversal will feel especially acute. If you couple that with the situation where the economies have yet to recover, uh, the financial market turmoil will feel especially damaging. Now, to be sure, this is by no means a baseline scenario at all, uh, but merely a mental exercise in terms of casting the horizons for theories. Moreover, to some extent, the probability of these negative theories of economic and financial sufferings due to the wide divergence in the speed of vaccine rollout. Uh, this can be further reduced through collaborative efforts on the global scale. Already we have COVAX initiative that ropes in over 170 countries with multiple vaccine candidates to try to remedy this uh, vaccine inequality. It goes some ways in terms of reducing these negative theories. Uh, still at a time when politicians will be compelled to take care of their own, it is a theories that we got to keep in mind as we enter 2021. Thank you. This has been a podcast from OCBC Bank. Follow us on Spotify for more episodes like the one you've just heard.